950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. On a Wednesday afternoon at 4.06 with Brett and Eric. A little off kilter in here, Eric. Someone's moved the chairs around, and I'm going to blame yesterday's people because I wasn't around doing any shows, but I feel short today. <laughs> feel like, uh, yeah, I'm just a little thrown off in here. My my chair feels like it's kind of sinking in there. Oh, I know. When anyone ever changes my chair, even it could be a quarter of an inch, but it feels like I'm in a different world. Oh, really? You're not being sarcastic. I'm not. No, oh, it you're totally throws not. Me okay. Yeah. It's like I have to put my hands here. Now I have to put my hands here. Yeah, this I'm is... kind of feeling like that right now. Like normally I'm used to having my mic at a certain level, but now I got to move my uh, microphone down a little bit. So yeah, I'll be thrown off a little bit here in this first segment. Of course, I didn't notice it till I was like 10 seconds away from doing the show. So frantically, as locker room talk was playing, I was trying to adjust my chair here in the studio. I saw you looking around confused. Yeah, I yeah. was nervous for a moment. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just going to end up leaving. We're, we're going to have a. Uh, we're going to start. Canceled. We're going to start the show with five minutes of silence, because uh, yeah, silence works on radio really well. That's the concept of radio, exactly right there. All right. Well, I suppose before we get into the news of the day, I should address the announcement I made yesterday in regards to my show. So. My show that I currently host at 4 o'clock is going to be moving starting next week on Monday. The 4 o'clock show will become the 2 o'clock show next Monday. Now, you again might be wondering what's happening to democracy now. Well, we are not canceling it. Yeah, it's a great program. Got a lot of good content on there. We're not getting rid of democracy now. It's essentially a straight-up trade. It's moving democracy now to 4 o'clock and my show to 2 o'clock. Unlike Adam Schiff, I am willing to make a trade, and that's what I end up doing with Democracy Now!, where my show will be at 2 o'clock, Democracy Now! at 4. We'll, by the way, talk about Adam Schiff and his trade that he possibly denied with Republicans. But, yeah, going back to the show, though, there's a couple of reasons why we are making this move. At least for me, it gives me a chance to pretty much do a live show every week because, as you probably have noticed, for the past several months, I end up usually doing a couple of recorded shows every week, which are fine to do every once in a while. Sometimes we can get some great interviews lined up, but overall, I think live radio is overall just a much better concept. I mean, here on AM 950, we only have two hours of live local radio per day, which is not a lot, so I really think we need to take advantage of that time together where we can chat about the politics of the day. And then there's this aspect as well, which I didn't even really notice as I started doing the 4 o'clock show. It's really hard to actually get guests to, well, A, come in studio or even get them on the phone line, whether they're national or local, because at least locally, they're either wrapping up the workday or if they're out on the East Coast, they're probably done with the workday and really don't want to be talking about anything that has to do with their work, whether they're a journalist or a politician or so on and so on. So we'll probably also have another chance to book some uh Open some doors, I should say, to some new guests with that 2 o'clock show coming up. So that'll start next Monday. My show at 2, Democracy Now! at 4 o'clock. And I will actually have a name for the 2 o'clock show because that's really boring. I don't know about you, Eric. I, I just can't call it the 2 o'clock show. And I'm not an egomaniac. I can't call my show the Brett Johnson show. It just doesn't rub me the right way. I'm not going to call it that. But You're welcome to on call some... it the Eric show. Yeah, we could just call it the Eric show. Yeah. The Eric Show with Brett Johnson. I'll keep, like, piping in maybe yeah. three times the show. Yeah, we can play some voiceover from you whenever you're not in. Since oh, yeah, it's usually a, nice a couple board. times a week. Yeah, yeah. A little Eric sound clip. So, yeah, that might have to be added to the list in terms of names that I am considering. So, yeah, I'll, I'll remember that. The Eric Show hosted by Brett Johnson. Even though Eric is not necessarily there every day, he's, he's there in spirit, which is always very important. Mm -hmm. So we have details on that uh, posted at am950radio.com where you can find our full schedule. But looking forward to that. And remember, Democracy Now! not going away. It'll still be at 4 o'clock starting next week. And by the way, you could also catch that every weekday morning as well. Or actually Tuesdays through Fridays at 6 a.m. On uh, Mondays we actually have Ralph Nader that airs in that 6 a.m. hour. But still plenty of chances to catch Democracy Now! Or even find their podcast as well as they do have that over on their website. So with that said, let's go to the news for today. So I haven't necessarily been watching the impeachment wall-to-wall -wall just because it's kind of unwatchable when they're going for like 12 or 13 hours per day. It's tough to be glued to the TV for that amount of time. But 
watching some highlights, uh, I did find one little part where Mitch McConnell actually kind of broke character because he's been doing his best to actually sit there kind of very stone-faced with a stoic look, not showing much expression. But there was one point where it sounded like Adam Schiff was going to wrap up whatever he was talking about and then head to the 15-minute recess that the senators get. But instead of doing that, when it sounded like he was going to wrap up, he then said, now let's move on to the next article of impeachment. And they actually flashed to the face of Mitch McConnell. And you could just, it wasn't necessarily an eye roll, but it was most definitely the kind of look of, my God, really? So that's the one time I saw him break character. And I, I get a kick out of that whenever I see Moscow Mitch break character. Because he's, he's a good politician in terms of his skill, not in terms of his personality or ethics, but oh, he's I very... Think, yeah, I think that... Democrats can learn a lot from them and just oh, the ways sure. to exercise the power that you have mm-hmm. to its fullest. Ability. Absolutely. Unrelated note on that as well is that on Monday I was talking about how there was this poll talking about how Americans were asked, who would you most like to have a cup of coffee with? And Martin Luther King Jr. and oh, was it Washington or Lincoln that was number one, but King was two. You know who I would say, at least among living people? Mitch McConnell. I would love to pick that guy's brain because even though I don't agree with his politics whatsoever, yeah, he is an absolutely brilliant politician. And he, yeah, well, it kind of helps when you're opposed by Chuck Schumer and Harry Reid over the years, but he still does have a lot of political skill. Yeah, I've been trying for years to just kind of try to decipher what his motivations are, Mm -hmm. and I cannot figure it out because it doesn't seem to be personal enrichment or even really power. He seems to just like to have influence. You know who that actually kind of reminds me of? Going back to the old TV show, even though this guy has obviously been disgraced, that would be Kevin Spacey. Mm -hmm. Frank Underwood, that's who he's exactly like if you ever watched House of Cards. Yeah, where it doesn't really seem like he has any personal reasons to push the politics, just that he wants to do it. Yeah, or even going back to that show, yeah, Frank Underwood never even really had any partisan motivations. He was technically a Democrat in the show, but you would never know it. Because he he was not really a partisan person. He was just more interested in gaining and keeping power. And, yeah, that does actually remind me a lot of Mitch McConnell. And, of course, Mitch is very good at doing that as well. So, yeah, he would certainly be someone I would love to just pick his brain with for an hour. And Did you see – oh, sorry. But did you see the uh, Dick Cheney movie by Adam McKay came out a couple years ago? This isn't the one where it had, uh, what's his face, Christian Bale playing yeah, Dick Cheney. It is. Yeah, I did um, see that. But there's mm-hmm. a very early scene in the movie where he asks, I think it's Donald Rumsfeld, mm-hmm. you know, what? so what do we believe in? And Donald Rumsfeld just starts laughing hysterically exactly. and leaves the room. <laughs> I think that about sums it up with uh, Mitch McConnell. Yeah, most certainly. But anyways, back to the point, though. Uh, it was funny to actually see him break character, since typically he is a very uh, talented politician. So uh, BuzzFeed, I think, actually has that up on their Twitter feed, if you want to go check that out and actually see Mitch kind of break character on that during the testimony. Then the other thing I wanted to bring up with impeachment is, well, what I alluded to a few minutes ago when I was talking about our show switch and how uh, I was willing to trade with Democracy Now! with my show slots, but Adam Schiff, not so much on trading, because he was asked, in theory, would he be willing to trade testimony for Hunter Biden to get John Bolton on the witness stand? And, well, Adam Schiff basically answered and said, no, not at all, because this isn't fantasy football. And I completely disagree with him right there, because, I'm sorry, Whatever you want to call politics, this essentially is fantasy football. You're making deals all the time. You can't end up taking it too seriously in that sense because that's essentially what you're doing as a politician. You're making do- deals all the time. And that would be a great trade-off to actually get Bolton for Hunter Biden because Hunter Biden, even though he's a pretty shady character, I mean, there's certainly no doubt about that, I think he would actually come off as looking really good on the witness stand, not because he's necessarily a great, decent, moral character type of guy, but because he is really irrelevant completely to the impeachment trial, when if you actually go through some of the conspiracy theories that are floated by Republicans, uh, Hunter Biden really had nothing to kind of do with the Burisma investigation since he wasn't even there, well, when that that was actually even taking place. So I would most certainly trade that to get someone like a like a Bolton on the witness stand. But Schiff said no, and I think that's a case right there where he's kind of overthinking it. 
and looking at it from the lens that we need to keep the institutions of government, even though, come on, when you break it down, yeah, politics largely is fantasy football played in Washington. Whether you like it or not, that kind of is the case sometimes. Rhett 952 All right, before we head to our break, uh, let's get to Gary in Minneapolis, because on the other side of the break, I do want to talk about why we should even care about impeachment, because that is a fundamental question, I think, that we need to ask for people who do lean progressive. Should we care about impeachment, and if so, how much? But before we get to that, let's get our buddy Gary in Minneapolis on the phone line. Hi there, Gary. What's on your mind today? I don't think I control my composure, control myself if I met Mitch McConnell. But, of course, I don't hardly ever drink coffee anyways, only when I want to stay awake when I'm driving. See, I'm so, with you as well. I'm actually not a coffee drinker myself anyway, so. Yeah, but I was going to say, uh, you know, that that, that pig-faced judge thief, he steals our judges, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of the worst cutthroats in Washington. And, oh, no uh, doubt. I'll tell you something about him. Uh, you know, maybe he's vulnerable this time because there are a lot of people in Kentucky, low-income people that, that either don't vote or vote Republican, they're benefiting from Obamacare, that Democratic governor, I don't think he's in there now, but he expanded Medicaid, and these people really want to keep that Obamacare. What do Republicans do? Oh, we hate Obamacare. They still do. So we'll see. Yeah, well, thanks for the call there, Gary. Always good to hear from you. We're at 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We'll come on back and talk more about impeachment and, well, how much emphasis should we put be putting on that for people who generally do lean progressive? We'll talk more about that up next. Hi, I'm Scott Peterson with the Minnesota News Network, inviting you to join us this week for Minnesota Matters, a news, entertainment, and sports show covering everything that matters in the North Star State. Tune us in right here or at your convenience at minnesotanewsnetwork.com. Listen to Minnesota Matters every weekend, Sunday mornings at 6.30 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Better Futures Minnesota is a social enterprise which helps men achieve self-sufficiency and a better future for themselves and their communities. We need your help. By donating time or funds to our cause, you can support us and promote a healthier environment. By hiring our deconstruction crews for your next residential or commercial project and shopping or donating building materials or appliances to our reuse retail warehouse, you are supporting Better Futures Minnesota and your community. Please visit BetterFuturesMinnesota.com to learn more. Food nourishes us. We need food to live. But how are we nourishing the food system? Well, actually, we're throwing a bunch of chemicals, and we're making the dirt dead, and then we're adding nitrates to the water, and we're causing dead zones in the ocean. Oh, and we're also causing climate change. We do that with every bite we eat. But we can create something different. We can switch to a regenerative system. And that's what we talk about every week on Food Freedom Radio. So tune to Food Freedom Radio Saturdays at 8 a.m. or anytime via podcast. Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Um, hello. If your taxes from years past are talking to you from the back of that drawer in your desk, it might be about time you answered the call by making a call to Moe's Tax Service in St. Paul. Time to come out now. They've been preparing tax returns and creating advisory-based relationships with their clients since 1971. Kind of stuffy in here. Problems with the IRS don't go away by ignoring them. Call Moe's Tax Service. That's M-O-H-S. They're on Ford Parkway in St. Paul. 612-721-2026. 721 2026. Turn to Auto Technical with your vehicle donation. Even though Auto Technical is a small nonprofit, we have helped more families with transportation than any organization in Minnesota. Since 94, we have reconditioned donated vehicles so they have a higher tax benefit. Call Richard at 612 919 5526. 612 919 5526. Or autotech.org. 
Donald Trump was impeached. So what happens next? Join Professor David Schultz and me, Brett Johnson, at Hamlin University on Wednesday, January 29th at 6 p.m. This will be a free event as we'll talk about the Senate trial, strategy from both Democrats and Republicans, and how it'll impact the 2020 elections. We'll also take your questions throughout the night. That's our free impeachment forum with David Schultz and me, Brett Johnson, on Wednesday, January 29th at 6 p.m. at Hamlin University, Anderson Room 305. More details at am950radio.com. Love to see you out there next Wednesday for that impeachment forum we're having at Hamlin University. Get the doors open at 6 o'clock. Talk begins at 7 with uh, David Schultz over there at Hamlin talking impeachment, uh, impeachment strategy, and other politics of the day. Definitely time that forum well because we ended up getting that date reserved back in December without any idea that we would literally be in the midst of that impeachment trial. So check that out next Wednesday. It is a free event to attend in terms of cost, not a free impeachment event. That sounds like something entirely different. The free impeachment event. No, it's actually free. No cost to attend whatsoever, Anderson Room 305 over at Hamlin University. Reminder as well that coming up next week, I will be moving to 2 o'clock with my show for my to-be-named show. Uh, just going back to what I was saying in terms of that name, yeah, I just can't go with the Brett Johnson show. It it wasn't like an ego thing I meant with the fact that why I'm not naming it that. Just, I don't know, I'm one of those people, very Minnesotan of me, where I just like don't necessarily want my name in the title of the show, but think I might have to anyway. So, yeah, that's kind of more what I'm talking about right there. I guess I'm the ultimate Midwestern Minnesotan right there. So, uh, anyways, though, the point is my show moving to two o'clock next week beginning on monday and then we will have democracy now airing weekdays at four o'clock so i want to spend a few more minutes talking about impeachment and this idea of well why are we even talking about impeachment on the airwaves in the first place because that is an important question i think to actually ask because i know there are a few people who listen to the station, well, more than a few people who think, well, impeachment doesn't matter because we have more important issues to worry about, whether it's what's happening with foreign policy or with health care or with Social Security and Medicare. And that is absolutely true. I, I think completely those should be the main focuses of what we should actually be campaigning on and what we actually should be worrying about. I 100 percent agree with that. But I think there's definitely a kind of prism that you have to view impeachment with, and I think Democrats need to be careful with this too. And that's that, yeah, impeachment is very important and something that you should focus on because obviously the Trump administration basically did bribe another country to get dirt on a political rival, and that is very problematic. But that can't be the central focus of the campaign as you head into the 2020 election cycle for a few reasons. Well, first up, it's actually this. And this goes back to the Russia investigation and an area where I was completely wrong on my prediction going back to 2016 and 2017. I originally thought once we started hearing about Russia interfering in the presidential election in favor of Donald Trump that, oh, this could really be something that Democrats could use to hang around the neck of Donald Trump and Republicans because, well, you basically have the whole idea that Russia has been our enemy for years and years here in the United States. You can go back and use some of that Red Scare language and tell people, do you really want Donald Trump as a Russian agent interfering in our elections? I originally thought, yeah, that could be a great strategy for Democrats. But ultimately, I was wrong about that. People do care about that to a degree, but it's not the main issue that they end up voting on. And that's for a few reasons, I think. And it's the fact that, well, people for the most part actually vote on what impacts their lives at a very micro level. I'm even like that myself. At least when it comes to my philosophy for voting, there's a couple of issues that I vote on every single election. And I don't care what party a candidate is from, if they can help me out on these two issues, I will vote for them every time. The first one is on health care and health insurance. If there's a candidate out there that can find a way to lower the amount of money I have to pay for my health care costs, I will vote for them every single time because that's an issue that's very relevant to me, especially someone like me who is on the individual market because, well, obviously premiums are not cheap to pay for your health insurance. And if you end up in a medical emergency, well, if you can't afford your deductible, you really don't even have health insurance in the first place. So that's issue number one. 
basically, I have medical bills. So if anyone, so if anyone, I don't care what party they're from or what ideas they have, if you have a way that can actually lower medical bills, you'll have my vote every single time. The other issue I always vote on is this, and that is, well, I need a way to actually pay bills when I'm old and I'm no longer able to work, i.e. having some sort of social safety net like Social Security. I think a lot of people agree on that as well, where if you have a candidate who is supporting a way where when you do reach the age of 65 or 70 and are unable to work anymore, you do have a social safety net so you're not working at the age of 70 and 75. For me, those are two tangible issues that I will vote on every single time, and I think if you're listening out there as well, you probably agree with me. Those are two big issues, and they're very micro-level issues, and they're very personal, too. Where, if you look at something like Russia or what's happening with the impeachment of Trump with the Ukraine scandal, that does affect people at a very macro level in terms of who actually represents you to enact things like Social Security and Medicare and health insurance reform and so on and so on. But it's at that very macro level where it's tough to actually figure out how Ukraine and Russia actually affect you as a person. So I think that's the reason why people, for the most part, yeah, are going to vote on, well, how issues personally affect them. So the overall point I'm making right here is that, yes, do keep a focus on impeachment and what's happening with the corruption of bribing Ukraine to get foreign dirt uh, or get dirt on a political rival. But to take an analogy here, and maybe you can even help me out with this here, Eric, I was trying to think of an analogy for this where, yes, using impeachment is very important. It's it's something we need to talk about, and it's important to the political discourse. But here's the best analogy I could do right here. If we're thinking of like a, a Thanksgiving meal, turkey is obviously the main course. That's what you're there for. And that should be those bread and butter issues like Social Security and Medicare and health care and funding for public schools and staying out of wars. But impeachment is and investigating corruption with Trump Russia and Trump Ukraine. That's more of that side dish, maybe like the, I don't know, mashed potatoes or something like that as part of your Thanksgiving meal. I I don't know if you agree with me on I think that? that. I think that's a good analogy because something like mashed potatoes are, yeah, you would be upset if it wasn't there. Yeah. It would feel incomplete, but at the same time, maybe it shouldn't be the focus. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely key in 2020 because if Democrats do end up making that the central focus of their campaign, depending on whoever the Democratic nominee is, whether that's a Biden or a Bernie Sanders or an Elizabeth Warren or somebody else, if you end up making the impeachment scandal and Trump corruption scandals and just Trump overall the focus of your campaign – you're not likely to succeed in this fall's elections because we've seen how often that hasn't worked for Democrats dating back to even the Obama years, where if you remember back to 2010, 2014, 2016, I would even throw Obama's reelection into 2012. Democrats did not have a lot of success in those elections because so often the campaign theme was, look at how crazy Republicans are. We mm -hmm. totally saw that, obviously, back in 2012, or that was basically the entire campaign of Obama, looking at how crazy Mitt Romney is. That was the focus of 2016, talking about, look at how crazy Trump is. And, well, there were mixed results. Obviously, Obama was elected back in 2012, but I think that was more due to the fact that he had an excellent campaign infrastructure and was arguably running into a very unpopular candidate with his own base. But when you're even looking at 2010 and 2014 at how awful Democrats did in those elections, that was also their campaign theme. It was just talking about how Republican ideas are bad or when it came to talking about Social Security and Medicare. It wasn't about expanding and making Social Security and Medicare better. It was just saying, well, we won't touch those. Demo, the Republicans are bad. They're going to cut your benefits. Democrats are saying, we won't. And that's not an effective message just to say the other side is crazy. You actually have to be for something as well. Especially because a lot of the things that Democrats think are bad, Repu mm -hmm. Republicans interpret as good. So when you say, oh, they're crazy, they're going over the line to try to pass these things. Well, if you believe in those things, then you're going, wow, great. They're, you know, making huge efforts to pass this. Mm-hmm. Let's move to the phone lines and talk to David the Trucker. Hey, David, what do you kind of think of what we're talking about here on the airwaves? Well, I think that um, people should pay attention to politics. I mean, local, state, federal, all of it. For sure, the because, local and the state, know, exactly. 
Pardon? I said, yeah, for sure, at the local and the state level, too. Those, by far, impact your day-to-day life much more than what happens in Washington. Yeah, but continue, David. Right. You, a lot of people, you know, they, they don't think that they can affect politics, but believe me, uh, politics affects them whether they believe that or not. So, you know, you you got to, you know, put your two cents in if you can and mm-hmm. and, and vote. And also... Yes. Um, you got this new show coming up, man. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Well, it's essentially this show, but just at 2 o'clock. But we'll be doing a little rebranding well, I, with that I as know, well. I know, but you're looking for a name. <laughs> now you get to name it. I it know, right on, right on. It's a 4 o'clock show. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that since you don't want to put your name on it, just call it FYI. F- oh, that's not bad, yeah. I might put my name in there, but not as the heading thing, just because it's the yeah, it's the old Minnesotan thing. You, you gotta, you gotta be very Midwestern about that. But I kind of like that. FYI, David, smart man out there. I might have to put that under, under consideration. Eric, I apologize in there. That might leapfrog the Eric show. So oh, it'll it's it's just <laughs> inevitable at this point. Okay, all right. Sorry, Eric. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> All right, thanks for the call, David. Hey, by the way, where are you calling from today? Oh, I already just lost David on the phone line there. Always interested to see where he's driving his truck. But we're going to take a break here on uh, our 4 o'clock show, at least for now, the 4 o'clock show, which will be moving to 2 o'clock beginning next week. We'll continue our conversation coming up next here on AM 950. The Public News Service Daily Newscast for January the 22nd, 2020. I'm Mike Clifford. Welcome to day two of the impeachment trial of Donald John Trump. Lawmakers today enter a second round of debate over the rules to try Trump. On Tuesday, the New York Times reports the Senate voted to block three attempts by Democrats to subpoena documents for the impeachment trial that the White House has refused to provide to House investigators. That vote was cast along party lines. Meantime, our Dan Hyman reports New Hampshire primary results may be even more important in light of a new poll of likely Iowa caucus voters. The poll also suggests the voters generally like all the leading candidates. The survey late last week was done for Focus on Rural America by David Binder Research. Pollster David Binder says they found a close race between five candidates led by Joe Biden and Senator Elizabeth Warren. He lists the percentages. Former Vice President Biden in first place with 24, followed by Elizabeth Warren at 18, Mayor Pete Buttigieg at 16, Senator Bernie Sanders at 14, and Senator Amy Klobuchar at 11. Commissioned by the group Focus on Rural America, the poll found all five of the top candidates have high favorability ratings. But Senator Klobuchar pulls ahead as the candidate more people thought would be best to meet the needs of rural Iowa. The Iowa caucuses are February 3rd, a week from next Monday. Under Democratic Party rules, if any candidate's support comes in under 15% viability in the first round of caucus votes, that candidate is eliminated and the supporters are allowed to pick a different candidate. This is PNS. Legal experts are debating whether the U.S. Constitution will be changed after the Equal Rights Amendment cleared a big hurdle this week. Even if it is, supporters want a similar change in Minnesota. The federal amendment, which prohibits discrimination based on sex, reached a milestone when Virginia became the last state to ratify the proposal. Legal challenges are expected before the amendment becomes final. Heather Allison, who heads ERA Minnesota, points out that Minnesota was one of the earlier states to join the federal movement, but it's been a struggle to get a similar change adopted here. There has been legislation introduced every session for many, many years, um, and Last session, for the first time, the ERA bills were passed out of the Minnesota House, and so that was a huge success. She says the amendment faces hurdles in the Minnesota Senate, so it can be sent to voters for consideration. It's unclear if a state ERA will be considered again in the upcoming session. On the federal level, 38 states have ratified the amendment, the two-thirds majority needed to push it forward. Mike Moen, Minnesota News Connection. And a bill that would ban the subminimum wage for workers with disabilities in Maine gets a public hearing today at the State House. HB 1340 would amend the minimum wage law so that employers can no longer pay workers less than the state minimum wage because of a disability. Kyle Pelletier, who has a developmental disability, is testifying in support of the bill, along with other members of the group speaking up for us. As he's driving, something past employers didn't think he could do. Pelletier says he is passionate about this bill. People with disabilities cannot get ahead. We should be paid an equal play like everyone else, so we can actually 
live how we want to live. He says he used to work for the sub-minimum wage at a homeless shelter and felt it was unfair. He thinks the bill has wide support among people with disabilities. Maine's minimum wage is $12 an hour. The current law says an employer can pay workers less if they are unable to perform the same duties as those without a disability. I'm Laura Rossbrautellum reporting. As of 2008, Maine stopped giving state funding to companies that hired workers with disabilities in sheltered workshops or working separately from others. I'm Mike Clifford for Public News Service. Remember, endless are supported and we're online at publicnewsservice.org. Tom Hartman here letting you know how you can go solar with all energy solar, even way up north in Minnesota. Lots of people ask them, isn't Minnesota too cloudy for solar? No. The truth? For one thing, Minneapolis gets nearly as much sun each year as Houston, Texas. But it isn't just about how much sun you get. It's also about having access to great local incentive programs that make solar affordable. Learn what your options are to save with solar and visit allenergysolar.com today. This is Chad, owner of AM950. Our station has worked with Barbara from WYSIWYG Web Design for years on everything from logo to print design and especially for developing our website. She does great work and is great to work with, listening to what our goals and design ideas were while offering new, innovative ideas to create the website we are proud of today. Barbara made sure she understood our station, our goals, and our mission before she started working on our site and made suggestions to help control the cost. Plus, she's friendly, which set us at ease. I recommend Barbara at WYSIWYG Web Design because I know she will deliver an attractive, professional website within the budget you have. She is a local independent business that specializes in helping other local businesses achieve their website and design goals. She can work with nearly any budget and create anything from simple sites to robust custom functionality. To find out more about the company AM950 Trust, go to WYSIWYGWebDesign.com. Spelled out just like it sounds, WYSIWYGWebDesign.com. With your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Tonight, a chance of rain before 11 p.m. with a low around 33. Tomorrow, snows likely before 1 p.m. with a high of 35 and a low around 30. While Friday will be snowy with a high of 36 and a low around 29. The Electric Fetus wants your used music. They're buying vinyl CDs and DVDs now through January 26th. And you'll receive an extra 50% if you choose store credit. That's 50% more to spend on their amazing selection of music and gifts. Located at 2000 South 4th Avenue in Minneapolis. More at electricfetus.com. And we're back on the, well, last live 4 o'clock show that I'll be hosting because, well, my shows are going to be pre-recorded Thursday and Friday. And by the way, tomorrow, one of the guests I have lined up for my pre-recorded show is going to be Kevin Featherly, who is the Capitol reporter for Min Lawyer, as he was actually at this gun hearing that took place in Hibbing yesterday. Matt touched on this a little bit in his show, how they were talking about that there was this Judiciary Committee in the Senate that was being held in Hibbing debating a number of gun measures that are being considered by the Minnesota State Senate. And, of course, the meeting got off to a pretty raucous start when there was a gentleman who – I wouldn't even call him a gentleman. He was just <laughs> pretty much a right-wing gun kook that was out there that was yelling about how there was no American flag displayed. And, Eric, did you end up actually watching the video of that in there during Matt's show? I have not seen the video of Yeah, it. yeah, but you were reading about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Kevin was actually there at the meeting, and it was a complete misunderstanding. The, what happened was is that the hotel, basically, as they were trying to set up for the meeting, they had to take the flags down because they were going with an expanded space, being that they typically don't have that many people stuffed in, and they just forgot to put the flag back on the wall. It's simple as that. And who cares? I mean, it's <laughs> deranged to think that you need to have all this American symbolism up and around you all the time. Oh, it's man. It's bizarre. You're opening another can of worms that I feel strongly about right there. I don't want to get into today, but it's this whole idea that the flag is what completely represents American values. They're fighting for the flag. Fighting for the flag. If you take a kneel, you're disrespecting the troops and you're disrespecting the flag. Not that it maybe represents something. Yeah, Literally, you're doing it for a piece of fabric. And if your country and your republic is that weak where it has to be represented all of its ideals in a flag, well, then your republic or your country is probably not that strong in the first place. Yeah, that's an entirely different discussion, but I think you and I are on the same page on that right there. It just, yeah, it kind of irks me sometimes when yeah, you're disrespecting the flag or why aren't you saying the Pledge of Allegiance? Yeah. By remember, the way, uh, Barack Obama's insignia 
was uh, not exactly an American flag. It was just like American flag themed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People love that. Yeah, I read that. The coffee cup salute, or the coffee cup salute, not coffee cub salute. Although I'd love to see that if he was carrying like a cub bear in his arm and he was trying to salute someone. I would yeah, most Teddy certainly Roosevelt watch that. Move. Oh, was yeah, that's right. That was very much up Teddy Roosevelt's alley. You are absolutely correct with that. All right, but back to what we're talking about here. So there was, yeah, no American flag originally uh, displayed at this hotel ballroom in Hibbing, and that led to some of the people in the crowd being upset because, well, what else would you expect when you have a bunch of crazy gun kooks out there? But they were debating a number of these bills that are being considered by the Republican Senate. They have four Republican bills and two Democratic bills that they had hearings on. So the four Republican bills are... Divided up into two categories is what I would say. Two that have no chance whatsoever of becoming law at any point in Minnesota. Not only because we have a Democratic governor and a Democratic House, but these are laws that I just can't imagine many Minnesotans going for. So here are the two bills that are basically just Republican red meat. One is a guns everywhere guns everywhere bill being proposed by Mort Corrin. The other one is a how is this thing still being debated in legislatures around the country? A stand-your-ground bill being proposed by State Senator Carrie Rood. I thought the stand-your-ground bills had finally gone away, but apparently not. So those are the two kind of crazy Republican bills that are being proposed. They also have two Democratic bills that they considered. One is a red flag bill. The other is a universal backgrounds check. But they were also debating two so-called moderate Republican bills that the GOP is proposing. One is a law that would strengthen, well, existing laws related to judicially ordered firearm seizures. So it basically just plays to that old Republican talking point of just strengthen the laws that are already on the books. The other so-called moderate Republican bill that's being proposed would increase the penalty from a gross misdemeanor to a felony for illegally transferring firearms to someone who is ineligible to possess them in the first place. So Again, the idea of just strengthening laws that are already on the books. So we're going to chat more with Kevin about these tomorrow because the reception to all six of these bills didn't go in a way that I necessarily thought. So we're going to chat more about this with Kevin tomorrow. But continuing on guns, because no matter which of these six laws end up becoming enacted, if any of them do, by the way, they overall won't have, I think, much of an effect whatsoever on gun-related violence in Minnesota. And it's for a reason I'll get to in just a second. So hold that thought for one second. Let's back up, though, and talk about, or actually, let's go with this right now. So here's the reason why I don't think they'll have much of an effect, and and it goes to this idea right here, that we, of course, have 50 states in the United States, obviously, and they're all, for the most part, outside of Alaska and Hawaii, connected to one another. So if you have a state like, let's say, Minnesota that were enact very gun strong, very strong gun controls measures, and then you have a state bordering Minnesota, like a South Dakota or a North Dakota, that does not have very strong gun measures, well, obviously, you can go to South Dakota and North Dakota, bring those to the state of Minnesota, and, well, those laws in Minnesota largely are completely nullified. And that's the exact argument we often hear from people who talk about, well, look at gun deaths in Chicago. Look at how many people die because of guns in Chicago, despite the fact that Illinois actually has very strong gun laws. And one of the reasons why that actually happens is that, well, a ton of guns from Chicago, the majority, by the way, actually come from outside the state of Illinois, with a huge amount of them, I believe 25%, actually being traced to Indiana, which, if you just look at a map, Indiana borders Chicago. So that would make some sense. That's how guns actually get into places like Chicago. They're not actually from Illinois. They're actually from places around the country, and that's how they end up getting circulated in the criminal community. So that's a reason why I think even if we were to change gun laws in Minnesota, I'm not sure they would even have much of an impact simply because you would be bordered by a number of states like South Dakota, North Dakota, even Iowa that have less stringent gun safety measures. So the only way I think you could actually get gun reform to work in our country is to actually do it at the federal level because if you end up having 
a number of states that don't have very strong gun measures, well, guess what? That's where people are going to go to buy their guns, and they're just going to ship those back to where they live, which is exactly what we've seen in Chicago. And by the way, we've seen an example of why this is the case, obviously talking about the Chicago-Indiana relationship. How about Hawaii, though, which isn't bordered by any states? It's a big island sitting out there in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Well, guess what? They have strict gun safety measures, and they also have the lowest rate of gun deaths in the entire country. In fact, it's not even close. They have the lowest gun rate the lowest gun deaths per 100,000 people, and it's not even close compared to the second-rated state. So, yeah, that's overall why I think we can debate all of these gun measures all we want, but I don't think in the long term they'll have much of an impact unless we actually do something at the federal level. We're at 952-946-6205, and this even goes to what we've seen in other countries that have enacted strong gun safety measures like Japan or Canada. By the way, the BBC just put out a report about how Japan has the lowest rates of gun crime in the world, and guess what? They have strong gun safety measures, and it's also an island where you basically can't ship in any guns from outside that country because it's an island. So I think that's a larger issue as well when it comes to talking about gun safety and gun reform. It's that you actually have to do it at a very macro or federal government type level to actually get those reforms to actually work. Let's talk to Mark and Fridley before we head to our final break of the show. Hey there, Mark, what's on your mind today? Hey, guys. Uh, I got a guest for you to book. His name is Jack Nelson Palmeyer. You mm-hmm. may have heard of him. He ran for Senate against Al Franken. And we had Martin Luther King Day that was very, very light on Martin Luther King because we had all kinds of different distractions. But as we're watching this impeachment show, Uh, He wrote, when the United States assassinates an Iranian general for interfering with U.S. interests, it is the minimal moral requirement that we honestly assess the nature of those interests. So you have to understand who the enemy is. Henry Kissinger said it's not a matter of, of what's true that counts, but a matter of what is perceived to be true that counts. And we have everything against us. And I just want to while we have this last day, give out a shout-out to Bernie Sanders, who CNN said is the most popular senator in the United States. That is contrary to what Hillary Clinton said, who said nobody likes him, nobody wants to work with him, he's getting nothing done, he's a career politician, it's all just baloney. I feel so bad that people got sucked into it. This radio station had a host named Bill Press, and Bill Press realized and wrote a book. And and I'm going to bring a copy of my new book to your event on the 29th with Dave Schultz. It's called Can You Hear Me Now? Mm -hmm. And Bill Press wrote a book called Buyer's Remorse, How Obama Let Progressives Down. And please, people, do not fall for the same criminal, psychotic tactics and tricks when both sides are attacking Bernie Sanders and when uh, including president including Obama including Rahm Emanuel including Eric Holder including what Elizabeth Warren just pulled and now Sean Hannity's going after Bernie Sanders um, um, Alex Jones is going after Bernie Sanders um, Glenn Beck is going after Bernie Sanders none of this is organic they are afraid of somebody who is authentic to become the leader of the United States of America. And, you know, I I guess I'd have to say that I'm disappointed, but Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, what, what Bill Press said was that Democrats, establishment Democrats have let progressives down. This is a progressive radio station. And, you know, it's been an opportunity to discuss things that the normal mainstream media won't discuss, and this is about progressives. But when Hillary Clinton says that Republicans don't like Bernie, the Democrats don't like Bernie, what she is saying is that the establishment doesn't like Bernie. The people that keeps everything that needs right, to Mark, be All right, Mark, we've got to break here, so we'll wrap it up here in just a couple seconds. Broken. Mm-hmm. 
All right, we're going to leave it there. Mark, uh, yeah, I, Hillary Clinton, I think she's actually a Bernie sister. I can't think of a better term for, or another term for women who support Bernie Sanders, because obviously we have Bernie bros. bros. Yeah, That's yeah. gender neutral. They're still, okay, we can go gender neutral on that. Yeah, How is she know. not a Bernie bro? I mean, it seems we, like she's helping him, or it's like, I, sorry, I, I think she might be a closet Bernie bro because yeah. that's done nothing but actually well, energize his campaign. I mean, he doesn't have all the stuff that her friends have. Like, he doesn't have a New York uh, mm-hmm. mansion, he doesn't mm-hmm. have a private plane, he's not jet setting around the world, mm-hmm. taking his friends to, you know, his private island to hang out with uh, <laughs> Eastern mm-hmm. European girls. Mm hmm. Oh, Mark, open up that uh, can of worms. Those are the talk. kind of people Hillary likes. Oh, boy. Are we really going back down this road again? I live in this world. Are we going back to January of 2017? Because we didn't have enough of those shows on the radio yeah. talking about the Bernie Sanders versus Hillary Clinton. Oh, my. Uh, that gives me a headache going back and even remembering some of those debates we had, which I will say were important at the time. But, I mean, come on now. It's 2020. But, uh, yeah, it, maybe that debate will re-come back up here or come back in 2020 if he does end up uh, polling as the front runner because I think there most certainly would be a, a move from establishment Democrats that would definitely try to stop him, but there's a chance it would probably backfire on them. So we'll see what happens. He has an opportunity to maybe get that front runner status and that would definitely create some havoc within the party if he actually were to become the full-fledged front runner. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Give a few more news stories on the other side of the break and we'll also visit with Robert Pilot about what's coming up on Pilot's Progressive Party which airs at 5 o'clock right after my show. So stay tuned. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. In the Army National Guard, family means everything. They really appreciate what she's done as a sister as well as a soldier and, you know, supporting their country. Our parents, they were really supportive that all five of us would join. Family members that are soldiers in the Army National Guard inspire and influence, setting a path for others. It's validating knowing that, you know, I kind of did my part to make sure this is what they actually wanted and that they feel the same way I do. I'm really proud that we get to help shape the future. And I know that my sisters are going to be amazing soldiers. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard instills pride that you and your family will share in. A lot of pride. And they're just out there doing something every day and then serving their country as well. I got my education because of the Guard. I got to travel a little bit and experience a whole different culture. Visit NationalGuard.com to learn more about part-time service. Sponsored by the Minnesota Army National Guard. Aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association and this station. To celebrate AM 950 being on air for 15 years, our Blue State Ball is going to be less formal and more of a fun bash with beer. It takes place Sunday, February 23rd at Bauhaus Brew Labs with our headliner, Tom Hartman. VIP is at noon with doors for general admission open at 1. All tickets include a signed copy of Tom Hartman's newest book, The Hidden History of the War on Voting. That's the less formal and even more fun Blue State Ball on Sunday, February 23rd at Bauhaus Brew Labs in Minneapolis. The ball will sell out, so order your tickets now at am950radio.com. You're listening to AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Brett Johnson on the 4 o'clock show, my last live 4 o'clock show. Program is recorded tomorrow and then on Friday. Then my show moves to 2 o'clock starting next week, weekdays from 2 until 3, while Democracy Now! will then switch to airing at 4 p.m. Basically just a trade between me and uh, Amy Goodman. Uh, Me and Amy engaged in some pretty heavy heavy discussions there and heavy negotiations. No, we actually didn't, but... (laughs) 
I'd like to actually have Amy Goodman on the show, but uh, she's a little tough to get a hold of sometimes. She'd be a good guest to have on the program. She must be busy. She does. She, she is a very busy person. Day, I will. Yeah, that's not a knock at her. I mean, she's yeah doing a show every single day. She's probably knows more about politics than I've ever forgotten in my lifetime. But yeah, she's traveling all over the place. So yeah, that's not necessarily a knock against her, but she'd be a good guest to get on the program at some point. So yeah, my show starts next week. 2 o'clock every weekday, Democracy Now! every weekday at 4 p.m. Looking forward to that, and I will have a name for that 2 o'clock show, and David the Trucker's suggestion, I might roll with that, FYI. I had another name that I won't bring up that I was considering. Well, actually, a couple of names that I was considering. One proposed by my friend that I'll tell you about off the air, Eric. I don't think I can quite say it on the airwaves, but I think it actually would be a pretty funny name for the show. I've been having ideas, too. Does it have to do with your initials? Oh, that... Sort of, yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah. You'll get a kick out of this one, though, so that'll be a little off-air conversation. If we're on Facebook, that's right, we got Robert Pilot coming up. I was going to say maybe I'd even share the name on Facebook. But anyways, my show, yeah, weekdays next week starting at 2, Democracy Now! coming up at 4 p.m. All right, before we bring Robert Pilot in, I just want to bring up this news story that crossed the wire because it totally reminds me of the Ebola scandal we saw back in 2014. So apparently China has this nasty virus that's been going around their country where 600 people have been sickened by it and nine people have died. Well, guess what? It's now entered the United States as there's a guy in his 30s who just came back from China and entered Seattle. He has the virus and health officials are claiming it's not a concern yet, if we want to take their word on that. But... Ooh, just imagine that possibly being a campaign issue this fall. If you remember how much Ebola was weaponized as a campaign issue back in 2014, and then magically no one ever talked about Ebola again after the 2014 election. Just a little bit of a coincidence there. And with this virus originating in China, could be a certain person who might try to turn that into a campaign issue. All right, let's go to Robert Pilot, who is, of course, the host of Pilot's Progressive Party, which airs every Wednesday from 5 until 6 p.m. By the way, that show not changing whatsoever. That's going to remain Wednesdays at 5 to 6 p.m. So, Robert, what's coming up on your show today? Who do you have booked for your show? <laughs> See, I, I'm, I'm too Minnesotan to do that. I'm the ultimate lifelong Midwestern guy. I, I just can't, but we'll see. i got some other name suggestions I've been uh, pondering, but I'll have one at least announced possibly by Friday, but definitely by Monday when the show debuts. All right. So make sure you stay. Oh, as do you, Robert, on your Wednesday show. You, uh, lots of good information on that and Native Roots Radio, which you can hear on the weekdays, Saturdays from 1 to 3. But stay tuned. we got Pilots Progressive Party up next. <laughs> 